11 through chapter 5, verse 2. Uh, you've heard the saying, no doubt, preaching to the choir. If you've been in church for a while, people say, I ah, know I'm preaching to the choir. You may not have heard that because we don't have choirs much anymore. Uh, but the term preaching to the choir meant that the choir, those were like in the church, those are the people that were the best Christians. Because they would come to choir practice, they would never miss a Sunday, and, and they, would, they would sing, and they would be dedicated one to another and to the church. And so the, the term preaching to the choir meant, well, those folks know everything. You know, you're telling us stuff we know. You're, you're preaching to the good folks. Uh, you need to preach to the sinners out there. Uh, preaching to the choir. Well, let me tell you about this sermon, okay, this text. Look at me, folks. This text is preaching to the preacher. <laughs> it's preaching to the preacher. And you're privy to this sermon, which is preached to me and to your officers. Uh, it is our God, through the Apostle Paul, saying, Timothy, I've entrusted this church to your care. And until I come, this is what you're to be about. Timothy, this is the kind of man you are to be, and this is the kind of man you are to become. This is the kind of man that I entrust the care over my church to. It's preaching to the preacher. Now, before we get to that, um, if, if we were to leave from here right now uh, and do a, a Smoking the Bandit run to Joplin, anybody know what that means, Smoking the Bandit? Tammy knows. John knows. Smoking the Bandit. If you go into some small towns in Mississippi and they have a theater with one showing, that's still showing. Places in Mississippi. Smokey and the Bandit. A story about a guy in a Trans Am that was supposed to get from one place to another and the cops tried to catch him the whole time. Uh, it was a staple in redneck culture. Smoking the Bandit. If we were to do Smoking the Bandit to Joplin, we would probably argue over a few things, wouldn't we? Like, should we go through the turnpike? I don't have a pike pass. Well, what if we go through Siloam? But you can't go through Siloam because sometimes you get stuck behind somebody in Siloam and no matter how much you try to pass them, you get around those corners and you can't get there. And, uh, you know, so we might argue about it. What's the best way to get to Joplin? Now, we might get heated in that argument if it's super important. We've got to take this person to Joplin. Because in Joplin, there's, there's health care that can only save this person. You know, if we're, if we're going there to shop at Sam's, then we can take whatever way we want to go. Unless Sam's is closing, then we might argue again. What's the fastest way? If you've been to my house, you know that there are two ways to get to my house. Right? You, you get to that one spot where there's the sign for the exterminator, and you can go straight, which is the right way, you can go Mark's way or you can go somebody else's way. Um, and it's funny that it's just, I mean, the house is like right there. You know me, I have a sense of direction of a lemming. So uh, I, I, anyway, we might argue about it, but it's not a big deal. It becomes a big deal when the direction that you're going has eternal implications. And so the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, there is a way for you to lead this church. Timothy, I've told you about the danger that there are false teachers and they have seemed to have some standing in this church and people are listening to them. 
And so, Timothy, I have spent time reminding you that there is, a, there is truth, there is objective truth. He calls it the truth, the way, the words, the faith. Timothy, these are sound doctrinal truths, and you can't sway from them, Timothy. It is so important. When he gets to this point in the text, he is saying, Timothy, make sure that they'll listen to you. There's nothing so frustrating as knowing something that will help somebody and not being able to speak it to them. Knowing, knowing that this is, this is really what you need to do and feeling like it's fallen on deaf ears. It's even worse if it's falling on deaf ears because they don't trust you. It's even worse when you don't trust you. You're like, I understand. I've, I've failed you here, 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 and here. But oh, this is so important. And of course, you know, I'm a grandpa and a pop and a husband and a pastor. I think about that all the time. What am, what am I telling the people of God? I stand in a pulpit. When I open my Bible, and they brought their families. Like, this guy's supposed to tell us what we're to believe concerning God, his gospel, the relationship that we have with him, what is important, what is sin, what is not sin. Um, and so the apostle here to Timothy is saying, Oh, Timothy, I've given you this truth. Oh, Timothy, make sure you're not disqualified from leading. Make sure you're not disqualified from teaching. And so I titled the sermon Prodigy. Um, it's more than just an example. Timothy is to be a prodigy. Um, this concept of following me or having me be an example, the Apostle Paul uses it in Galatians uh, chapters 1 and 2 when he defends his apostleship. In 2 Corinthians 11, he uses it, follow my example. Um, what I'm telling you is so, so important. Um, and so that's where we are. 1 Timothy 4, 11 to 5, 2. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. <clears throat> Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in love, in conduct, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Timothy set an example, an example, a person or thing, uh, a person that is regarded as fit to copy, to imitate. Um, a prodigy, though. Uh, when we say prodigy, we often think of children, don't we? That term, a person, usually a young one that has exceptional qualities, abilities, and gifts. It's so amazing that it is unusual. Um, it's out of the ordinary. 
Do you all remember a few years ago that little boy, I think he was from Ukraine, that he was like this baby bodybuilder. Remember, it was all over Facebook. He was like this tall and he was completely ripped, you know, a prodigy. You're looking at this kid like, how does that boy in diapers, how is he so ripped? Uh, A prodigy, something that demands attention and says, what is different? How is it outside the average and above? The apostle is saying, Timothy, if you're to lead in Christ's church, you must be that. Sermon in the sentences, since every Christian is called to a public faith. Brothers, if you're a Christian, you are called to a public faith. We must live as examples of the power of the gospel. We're to live as examples of the power of the gospel. You may have heard me say this, but in our culture, and I, it may have been this way forever, but truth is often caught rather than taught. We wonder how the minds of a person, the minds of a youth or a generation, how they get twisted. Nobody sat down and said, here's your philosophy teaching today. It gets caught. And as we talk about it later, Timothy, immerse yourself in these things. Bury yourself, swim in it, drown in this. Truth for us as Christians, has to line up with the example that we give. Every Christian's called to public faith. We must live as examples of the power of the gospel. I feel sometimes um, in my grief, my anxiety uh, over things, desires for our church and for our people, uh, that I don't live as a good example at times, and um, the example that you should have before you should always point to the glory, the wonder, the sufficiency of God. So Timothy, for your teaching to be received, you're a young man. People are going to look at you and say, you're a young guy, you don't know anything. You've not lived as we live. You've not experienced what we've experienced. Timothy, uh, for your teaching to be received, you must be an example. And so in our context, it's like, Timothy, these things, in verse 11, these things, he's now coming to it. Timothy, I have placed, uh, I've given you the truth. I've given you the right and true doctrine. Now, these are the things that you must teach. What if no one will listen, Paul? Well, if no one listens, you live as an example to them. What if they want other things, Paul? You realize the competing religious activity that was going on in his days? You imagine you're at the office and you're like, hey, you guys want to come to church with us this week? Well, what do you do? Well, we, we give at least a tenth of what we make. We take care of all the widows and the orphans. And sometimes we get beaten up, abused, and scourged. What are you all doing? Oh, we're going to go to the Temple of Diana. You know what you get to do there? You get free prostitution. Oh, okay. Huh, you sure you don't want to come to church with me? What if they don't listen, Paul? Well, Timothy, you set an example. And Timothy, you teach these things. They they may want to hear something different. You teach these things. You know, when I was a youth pastor, uh, my kids were little. And um, 
I would disciple the boys and Tammy would disciple the girls and they'd come over Sunday nights and um, the boys in my small group uh, they were all in love with Tammy I mean they're just like hey uh, how did you do that you know how how did you what what was your trick you know what a what did you do? And um, it was so funny. We were out camping once. I don't even know if she knows this. We were doing something. And one of the boys like, whatever you do, don't let Mark die. And then one of the kids goes, if he does, I got dibs on Tammy. <laughs> it was like an eighth grade boy. You know, like that's, that's my, my heart was set. And then one of them was getting married. And he was like, hey, is there any way I could send my wife over to Tammy's school? Um, could she could she teach him what was it It was an example right and I and I used my wife I didn't ask her because she would have said no so um, I don't put her forward as someone perfect in any way but in public in life as they watched us together there was something about it that said something different hey I I want that it, it, it's not something fake it's not something perfect Sometimes she's mad at you. Sometimes you're mad at her. Sometimes she sins against you. Sometimes you sin against her. But Timothy, for your teaching to gain traction, you must set an example. So I've got six points. It's going to go pretty quick, just so you know. Don't get worried. Um, yeah, Kuiper, you always say it goes pretty quick. The first is to set an example in public. Verse 12, and he lists really five areas. And he's like, Timothy, uh, your example is, is to be in public. And publicly you must show this. Why? Because I, you don't want anyone to look down on you because of your age. You don't want anything to get in the way of the truth that you have been given. Uh, your example in public, it takes time. It takes living publicly through hardship and victory. Teach these things. Lead these things. Don't command in some sense that you are lording it over them, that you're assertive or tyrannical, but you lead them. Of course, our example is Jesus who puts a towel around his waist and washes his disciples' feet. He serves. So he lists these things. He says, Timothy, you're going to set an example in public. You're going to set an example in your speech and what you say. What you say and how you say it. Timothy, you're to set an example in your conduct. What do you busy yourself with? What do you do? Timothy, you're going to set an example in public with your love. The motives behind all of your words and deeds is a love for God and for people. Timothy, you're setting a public example in faith. You will do things in public that the only reason you do them is because you trust in God. You believe in God in your purity. Now it's interesting, he talks about it here and he closes the passage with purity. Uh, Timothy, in the public sphere, you must be known as someone who is pure. So set this public example. And you ask yourself as you read this, does this show, do I show this to the world? Um, does your behavior, oh Christian, does it kind of stand almost shockingly to the world around you. You respond in a way that the world says, that's, that's different, that's weird. Why would you not take advantage of this? Why would you not lie about this? Why would you not cheat about it? Why would you, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird. You're different. That's the example we're to have. These characteristics. 
And so then he lists the next five things where these characteristics, our speech, our conduct, our love, our faith, and our purity should show up. The first is in verse 13. We set an example in the way we deal with authority. So Timothy says, until I come, uh, Paul is telling Timothy, I'm under the authority of God as an apostle, and you have been placed under my authority. Timothy, these are the things you are to teach. There is, in a sense, a safety net for Timothy. As there is for me, for our elders, there's a safety net. We, we follow God's instruction. We are responsible and accountable to him. He forgives our sins. He forgives our failings. He knows that we are dust. Timothy, you're under this authority. So Timothy, devote yourself. Timothy, devote yourself. Timothy, uh, you, must, you must devote yourself. And what does he say? Of all the things, Timothy, you'll do as a pastor. You're a shepherd. You're an overseer. You're a leader. But Timothy, above all those things, you must devote yourself to the Word of God. Timothy, you must, that, and, and, and when you're in the church, when the community of God's people, Timothy, you devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Read it publicly, then preach, then teach. That order is vitally important. And it was in antiquity. It was in the synagogues. The Word would be read and then the sermon would follow. The word would be read, and then teaching would follow. It was an understanding that the person reading and the message it followed was not original. It wasn't a thought I had, and I've searched the scriptures, because we need money for a building, I'm going to give you the Nehemiah sermon. Nehemiah sermon is probably great, given in context at the right time, but the sense of, the, of him saying, Timothy, devote yourself to the word that the people know. Our pastor is opening the word to us and to the best of his ability, the gifts that God has given him. He is leading us through what God's word wants us to believe concerning God and to believe concerning each other. Timothy, you must be devoted to that. People should know you not as a great fisherman or as an amazing cyclist. Don't worry, nobody thinks of me that way. A great golfer. No, they should think of you as a man of God. They should think of you, Timothy, and all you who lead. And I tell you, every Christian should follow this example. They should think of you as someone who knows God's word. Someone who reads it and trusts it. Who gets When he gets confused over it, trusts the word over their own feelings. Devote yourself to it, Timothy. And when you're gathered publicly, read it. Read it out loud to them. We see that all throughout the New Testament, when a letter is written to one church... The instructions are read it out loud in the presence of the church and the congregation. Read it out loud and then give it to the other church. And read the letter that I wrote to that church. There is a sense that that's absolutely what they would do. Other thing I want to say just briefly is we get a sense here that all the teaching and preaching done in the New Testament was expository. And by that I mean it followed the way it was given. It wasn't topical. It wasn't Timothy. They're having problems in their marriages there, so let's do a six-week study and preaching on how to have a greater marriage. Timothy, preach the Word of God. Preach it as it is given, and it will affect their marriages. It'll affect their giving. It'll affect their racism. It'll affect their materialism. Preach the Word as given. Devote yourself to it. Read it publicly. Teach from it and train from it. Um, Give an example, Timothy, in authority. Identify its origin. 
It's not I'm Timothy, I went to school and seminary and I got my degree and I know the biblical languages. It is the word of God uh, spoken and preached. Secondly, set an example of giftedness. In verse 14, he says, uh, don't neglect the gift you have. It was given you with prophecy and the council of elders laid their hands on you. There's lots of people that say, what is this gift? It would appear that the gift for Timothy is a gift of leadership and teaching and preaching. And the gift of him was the church. You know, and I said in our meeting, the thing I worry about most about us going on sabbatical is missing the church. I come, I come here and my soul is filled. I take the sacrament and I look at you and your kids and your families. And I'm reminded once a week, at least once a week, that our God is sufficient. That he has rescued me, that he loves me, that he gave his son for me. And no matter what I can do or not do during the week, that, that has been bound up by him. Uh, Timothy, don't neglect your gift. God gives gifts to all his people. And I told you, Tammy and I are going on a cruise. And I told you that the church didn't pay for it. You know why I told you that? Because many pastors take advantage of their church. Many, many people you see preach. So the other day, if you want something, make sure I have it. <laughs> um, I also tell you because uh, I, I want to give glory to God. Someone entrusted God with money and behold, they thought the best thing to do was to send Mark and Tammy away for a cruise. I can say I kind of agree. <laughs> what gift has God given you? It is to be used for the body. Timothy, don't neglect it. If at times the teaching doesn't go well, if people turn their backs on you, Timothy, don't neglect it. Next, he says in verse 15, Timothy, be an example of sanctification. Look how he puts it. I use the word sanctification. And sanctification is just a churchy word that means we grow, we change, we become more like Jesus. Verse 15, practice these things. So think about that as a, you know, when they say a doctor has a practice, it means he keeps working. He does it over and over again. It is part of his common practice. It's part of his habit. Timothy, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. All right? One of my joys has been watching Jake. All right? I told Jake not to lose so much of his groveness. Like, you know, if he goes and he studies theology from PCA people, that he doesn't show up one Sunday in a blue blazer and khaki pants. Right? Keep your Jakeness. But we love watching it. We love watching that. We should see that in each other. We should. We should live lives so close enough together that we're able to look and say, you know, if this would have happened to me last year, I would have responded this way. To know each other well enough to say, I've watched you go through something. And I see you're different. Timothy, they should see that with you. You know what that means? It means that the pastor lives transparently with his people. Timothy, I'm not saying you're an example, and so hide everything and be fake. So everybody thinks, I just need to be like him. No, set an example in your behavior so that they see and they understand. You have wrestled through things. Practice, he says, these sound words, these trustworthy sayings, these creeds that we recite. 
practice them. And then he says, immerse yourself in them as if you are enculturating yourself. The University of Virginia, and I'm sure they've got it in other places, but one of my assistants, her husband, was taking classes at the University of Virginia, and he wanted to learn French. And they put him in the French immersion house. So he lived in a house where all you could do was speak French. How horrible. Baguette? What else could you say? Crepe? <laughs> oui? Uh, but they were like, this is the way. This is the fastest, the best way for you to learn French. The Apostle Paul is saying, Timothy, you have to immerse yourself as if it were into a whole different culture and mindset. The Word of God. You know, immerse yourself in it, that it becomes part of you and you're to have progress. People should see your progress. They should ask themselves, how did this young man become so bold? How did you become so generous? How did you become such a gracious soul that forgives? How did that happen? You should see that progress. You know what else that means, though? It means that we're not finished. And when Timothy receives this letter and the hands are laid on him and he's called, he's not finished. Paul doesn't say you've learned everything you need to know. You're as good as you're ever going to be. No, Timothy, in this process of leading and shepherding and preaching and disciplining, you're also going to have to grow. You cannot be satisfied with where you are. Uh, next, uh, an example in self-discipline. Verse 16, Timothy, watch over your self. Watch over yourself. Consider yourself and your hearers and be a man of discipline. Next, in verses 1 and 2, Timothy set an example in relationships. Timothy, this is your family. So you all know probably that uh, I put my mom in Grandwood Assisted Living. And um, her name's Nolene. And all the CNAs, when they meet her, they say, Nolene, Nolene, Nolene. And she looks at them like, you've lost your mind, and I'm the one that's in here. I walk in to see my mom, and there's always one lady trying to get out the door. Bo says that happens in every nursing home. There's one lady, and when I leave, she's like, hey, I'm going with you. I'm like, no, ma'am, you are not going, you're not going with me. But there's something different. I go in, and um, my mom's mind is mostly, mostly gone, doesn't remember much at all. I remember what she knows and what she loves, and we figured out a few things that we still connect on. A hot cup of tea with milk and sugar. Oh, she drinks that like it's the nectar of the gods. If I take my mask off and my glasses off, and I look at her and I say, it's Marky Boy. She lights up, Marky Boy, are you married? but there's a whole bunch of other people in there and they're not my mom and I'm nice to them but I don't walk up to them and grab their hand and remind them of who they are and what they've done the other day when I looked at her and she asked me again are you married I said yeah she goes why haven't you come and see me I said I saw you yesterday mom and she's like oh I'm just forgetting everything I'm just forgetting everything and she tears up and I said, Mom, you haven't forgotten Jesus, have you? And she smiles like, no, I haven't forgotten Jesus. And Mom, 
if you do forget Jesus, he's not going to forget you. He will not forget you. That's my mom. Uh, you know, I overemphasize this, and Tammy says you talk about it all the time, and, and if I do overemphasize it, I'm, I'm glad, um, because if you get tired of hearing me say it, at least you've heard it. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> but, you know, I make jokes about your pet's not your family. Your bank's not your family. I'm not part of the Chevy Silverado family. Paul is saying, Timothy, when you lead this church, though they don't listen, though they get angry, though they're petty, though they make fun of you, it's your family, Timothy. Do not, do not leave them. If your mom forgets who you are, don't leave her. If your brother annoys you, he's your brother. Timothy. And so when you think about the whole motivation for this, Timothy, you're supposed to learn, you're supposed to study, you're supposed to immerse. Why? Because you've been given a gift, and in this community, in this family, you have a place. And I love it. It is beautiful how he puts it. Timothy, in your relationships with the older men in your church, don't brush them off. One of my sons calls me Boomer all the time. Okay, Boomer. And I want to punch him in his face. If you're watching, I'm going to punch you in your face next time you call me Boomer. But he says, okay, Boomer, which what he means, yeah, you're just an old guy. You're saying stay off our yard, right? You show them respect. Somebody who's gone before you. Timothy, you respect them with gentleness. You treat them as you would your own father. Younger men, Timothy, you treat them as you would your brother. I have hard news. I call people in our church. Hey, pray for me. I'm worried about things. I'm scared over things. I'm frustrated about things. Treat them as you would your brother. Older women, Timothy, treat the older women as you would your mother. Timothy, treat the younger women as you would your sister. With all purity. Brothers and sisters, I said this is a sermon to the pastor. Um, I'm not your pastor because I've done all these things right. In fact, I've failed you in, in many ways. I've been very discouraged the last couple of years. And I just thought, what else, what else can I do? <laughs> when somebody leaves, the other day Jake and I are eating breakfast and there's a family there that's left our church and I or, you know, just visited, didn't come back, and immediately this just shame comes on me. What could I have done differently? How could I have been better? Um, and uh, I, you know, when that happens, I have to tell myself, am I, am I receiving glory by attendance? Is that my life? Is that what makes me feel good in the morning? Or am I receiving glory because I belong to Him and He owns me? Um, but where I don't set a good example, it, it is okay and all right for you to call me to account. You said this. You shouldn't have said this. You acted this way. And do it in a nice way for sure. But I'm not your Savior. I encourage you to follow me as Paul did, as he says, as I follow Christ. And he, he has that qualifier in there for a purpose, right? When you see Jesus show up in me, 
you see Jesus show up in Timmy, give him glory and imitate that. But also for you. You too are to set an example to the believers in all those things. In your speech, in your deeds, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and your abundant love to us. Thank you that you don't leave Timothy as the example, that you leave Christ as the example. And thank you, Father, that you don't leave us filling in our own report card or even going to our church, our family, our spouses, our parents and saying, what do you think of me? That, Father, our report card has Jesus written all over it. Our status has Jesus written all over it. Father, we believe that by grasping that, by knowing that, that it'll actually turn us into better people. Because we're able to accept correction. We're able to live through criticism. We're able to endure hardship, failure, loss. We have never, never entertained the idea that we are saving ourselves. So help us, Lord. Be an example, not just as good Christian people, but be an example of the work of Jesus Christ. Be an example of the power of your gospel. May we be prodigies when people say that's amazing, they're amazing, that points to you, for you're the only one who can change the souls. We ask this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen.